Welcome to the Combat Sports in Africa podcast. Our guest is BJJ Black Belt and coach Colin Stewart. How are you doing, Colin? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. So uh, the last time we spoke, you and the Ethiopian team were getting ready for the 2022 edition of the African Jiu-Jitsu Jiu Championship, excuse me, which were held on March 23rd to the 26th in Kilamba Arena in Luanda, Angola. So this is a post-championship interview. Let's get right to it. First question for you, Colin. How did Yared and Mita perform at the 2022 edition of the African Jiu-Jitsu Jiu Championship? I can't, I can't say that word. <laughs> Give us a summary of their matches and their overall uh, performance, please. So, so they did great as two individual competitors. Um, they went in, they performed very well. And the analogy that keeps coming into my mind when I think about the African Championship and I'll explain this analogy, is that we brought knives to a gunfight. Wow. And what, uh, what I mean by that is like Garrett and, and Mita, they were very sharp in, in their games and in their execution. But there was, uh, there was one country that had a higher level of technology in their jujitsu game. Uh, they were more developed, more advanced, and they have had jujitsu in their country for at least 15 years longer than Ethiopia has had uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu at least. And um, like I said, our competitors, they did well, but there were, there was some very advanced competition and that was the, the Angolan team. And uh, you know, at the championship, it was in Angola. So it's, it's easier to have a lot more Angolans present when the championships in Angola, uh, a lot of African countries had large costs to incur just to show up at the African championship. And obviously for the Angolans, uh, maybe a bus ride for some folks, um, uh, maybe even less than that for others because it was in the capital. So they had all the divisions stacked uh, with Angolans, which is great that I love to see that Angola represented and got to spend some time with some of the um, individuals responsible for the growth of uh, BJJ in Angola and some of the organizers. So it was a great learning experience for us. Um, uh, as you know, Garmani, you're more familiar with the, um, the three different sports represented at the African Championship than I am as a fighting style uh, duo and then Nuaza. So um, because we had two competitors there and because we had, um, there was so much commitment on behalf of our competitors to get there, they jumped into the fighting system divisions as well, which we, we don't train regularly at, uh, Cal BJJ in Ethiopia, but a lot of Ethiopians, uh, as you're well aware, they come from striking arts and gravitate towards jujitsu, maybe later in their martial arts careers, so, uh, so Yarrett, I mean, he's had plenty of striking experience. He's had plenty of fighting experience in competition. So he jumped in to the fighting division, as did uh, Mita. Mita has had less striking experience, but she is uh, maybe just a born fighter. I, I don't know how to describe her, but in her first fighting match, um, she damn near knocked the girl off the mats with a right hook and got, and got disqualified. 
Wow. Uh, wow. wow. Um, and it, it was nothing um, mean spirited. I mean, she became uh, very friendly with that in, individual after the competition. Uh, and it, it's just, it's a very technical sport, the fighting uh, division. It's, it's very technical. And um, it was a sport that we were learning the rules of as we were competing, which was interesting. But, it, but again, that's not what we train and that's not what we went for. Um, we competed because we were there and there was an additional division that our competitors could jump into. And Mita was all for it. And uh, Yared, uh, he agreed to join fighting as well after uh, because his jujitsu was, was first. So he agreed to join fighting. So fighting was great. Uh, like I said, Mita was uh, disqualified from the one fight, but she still placed silver in fighting and, uh, and Yarrett, he, um, he fought for bronze and it was a very close match for bronze. And he, he fell off the podium in the brown bronze match, but for these guys, for these two competitors, not training in fighting, it was amazing that they did as well as they did. And then in jujitsu, which is what we were really there for the Nawaza, um, both of our competitors, uh, they ran into, uh, an entanglement when their competitors pulled guard. Yared and, and Mita both have good judo backgrounds, very solid judo backgrounds. And they, the opportunity to put that judo on display was taken away by the Angolans who all seemed to pull guard. It seems very common for the Angolans to pull guard, which is uh, just in terms of us and having uh, knowledge on our competitors and in the region, it, it's good to, to have that knowledge now. I mean, Yared was the reigning African champion in his division and the Angolans, uh, the, the previous African championship was actually in Morocco, Northern Africa. That's a, a long way from Angola. And uh, I haven't looked it up, but uh, Yared mentioned to me that the Angolans, they weren't present in 2019. So it was kind of a, a very well-kept secret how developed their jujitsu was. Uh, I talked to one of their organizers, one of the person who actually organized the first BJJ tournament in Angola, his name is Flavio. And he said, BJJ came to Angola in 2003, uh, a couple black belts from Portugal came and started a couple different schools. And, I said, well, how did you guys start your competition culture? And he's like, well, you only need two teams to start a competition. And then you can really grow a platform and made a lot of sense, but it was also a little disheartening because we have one team in Ethiopia. So when he said, you only need two teams and you're good to go. I said, well, we're going to have to figure out a workaround then in, in Ethiopia. But he said he set up the first tournament in 2003. Um, one of the big things that came out of that for him was the organizers learned how to organize. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's not just you have two teams and they compete and, and they grow. It's you have to have people who know how to organize a tournament. You need to have referees who know how to referee a tournament uh, coaches. So there's a lot of different skill sets that need to grow and that was eye-opening for me because, I mean, I'm just a guy who likes jujitsu. I don't have a background in organizing or refereeing. 
Um, you know, as you come up through jujitsu, you learn to coach, but really what most people want is they want to have their own coach and they want to get better at their own game and they want to grow in their own discipline. But, um, so, so that was an eye opening conversation with Flavio and it inspired us in Ethiopia to organize our own tournament. Um, but because we only have one team, we went, we uh, organized a red team, blue team. We split the team in half and we coordinated uh, an in-house intramural tournament uh, inspired by the African championship. So a lot came out of it. In, in addition to the, to the three medals that our competitors did bring home, um, just seeing what the landscape is on the continent, seeing where the bar has been set by the Ang- Angolan team. Uh, th- that was really the, uh, from, from, from my perspective as a, as a coach, that was really the value of us showing up and, and competing in addition to some of our top competitors getting uh, mad experience, competition experience on a, on a bigger stage, which was for them individually. I mean, you can't, you can't measure that. That's like, that's a fantastic opportunity for them. I have a, this is really interesting. I, I have a lot of questions to ask you about, uh, and Angola in particular to, to, to what you saw as far as their quality of jiu-jitsu, as well as uh, how the Ethiopian team did. Well, one thing I, I just want to flag in advance is uh, recently uh, IMAF held, uh, the International Mixed, Mar- Mixed Martial Arts Federation held their, their own African uh, Mixed Martial Arts uh, Championship in, in, uh, in South Africa. And the Angolans, man, this, they they showed up and and they represented and and they made the podium. So it looks like uh, Angola is a key player. Um, I mean, they are a key player as well in in judo, uh, you know, continentally. And and they 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 certainly are a combat sports country. And it's really interesting to hear you know this this brief history you, you gave us in regards to BJJ in Angola. I'd like to know from from what you saw and witnessed in terms of their, their jujitsu, what did you pick up on? Uh, what, how would you describe their approach? You mentioned, yeah, they, they pulled guard. They didn't really engage in, in much, uh, you know, they immediately went to the ground, essentially. But well, what were your impressions of the quality of, of jujitsu? You're, you're, of course, coming in from, from the U.S. United States has possibly some of the best Brazilian jujitsu, or maybe Brazil does, but no, the, the U.S. does, of course. Absolutely good. What, what was your impression of the the jujitsu from that Angolan team? So, Garmi, I've I've got two anecdotes for you. That um, I'm really liking the anecdotes, by the way. <laughs> so, <laughs> they, they really paint paint the picture for me um, for the Angolan commitment to Brazilian jujitsu. So, the first one is. Uh, these are both inspired by conversations I had with the athletes who were incredibly gracious. Um, they, they reached out to our team, our coach. They were very cordial hosts. They talked with us. Uh, they, they, they were great. Uh, so in, in addition to just absolutely uh, cleaning up on the podium, they were also uh, very nice and, and fun to be around. But um, one of the guys, one of the competitors came up to me, one day and he said to me he's like how many uh how many tournaments do you guys have a year in ethiopia 
And I said, excuse me? He's like, yeah, how many jujitsu tournaments a year do you have in Ethiopia? And I said to him that this tournament, the African Championship, was the first time that any Ethiopian has competed since 2019. And he looked at me and he's like, he, he was confused. He couldn't believe it. And he said, this, this is the fifth tournament this year in Angola. Wow. So they're battle tested. They have plenty of opportunities to compete. And from what I saw, they took advantage of those opportunities. And there's a big difference between people who train jujitsu and, and people who compete in jujitsu in terms of how they structure their game and their approach. Uh, for a lot of our, our athletes preparing for this tournament uh, for about six weeks leading up to it. Uh, we were a lot more uh, conscientious of the point system and um, coming up with a strategy for a match within a time frame of five or six minutes. And for a lot of our athletes, it was uh, completely different. It almost felt like a new sport. Um, one, one of our members said to me is like this like keeping track of points when i was rolling it's completely invigorated me uh, i never thought about points before we were just rolling which is a normal um mentality to have when you're not preparing for competition but when you're preparing for competition in a five minute match if you pull guard and you sweep somebody and you're up to nothing the rest of the match may be focused on making sure your opponent doesn't score and if you're not focused on competition style and points, uh, after you sweep somebody, you're not thinking about the score being to nothing. You're thinking about um, either passing or submitting or mounting or whatever the case may be, even if that may be to your detriment points wise. You're not, you're not looking at riding out your points to victory. So it's a different mentality. And the Angolans, have ample opportunity to to work that style and you could see they had a very seasoned approach to their competition style so that that was one anecdote the, the other one wasn't a uh, conversation that they had with me but uh yared and mita told me about it later uh the angolans asked them how much the government pays them if they win a medal at the african championship and uh <laughs> that the uh, the Mauritius team Mauritius was there as well, and they uh, shared the same anecdote with me. And they were like, what, "What do you mean? Like your government pay money? There's no money to be had. Like what, what are you talking about?" And they said, "Oh well, the Angolan government pays us nine thousand U.S. dollars if we win a gold medal at the African Championship, seven thousand wow. for a silver, and four thousand for a bronze." So the needless to say the divisions were every division was packed had angolans in it and uh, which is great and you could see them fighting this is a life-changing amount of money for a lot of people and they were fighting as if it was a life-changing amount of money and you could see people crying if they fell off the podium um some of them were talking about buying a house or a car etc with their gold medal uh winnings so they had all the incentive in the world. They were fighting in their backyard. They had plenty of competition experience and they'd been competing for 
for years for many of them. And the, the last, uh, the last thing that I noticed about them was that, uh, they really sucked weight to move down to that lower division. Um, there was a, like the, the day, the day of weigh-ins, you could see a lot of people running around trying to make weight, um, going down to that lower weight class. And that's a competition mentality that I'm more used to seeing in like the U S high school wrestling scene. You see it in some, uh, jujitsu tournaments in the U S as well. But, uh, just when people go down to that lower weight class and they look like their two weight classes higher, you, you can tell that they really put their, put themselves through a lot of punishment to get them to that lower weight class. And that's what the, that's what the Angolans were doing. And I'm speaking broadly saying the Angolans, it wasn't every single person was doing that, but, uh, it was definitely part of the approach of folks on the Angolan team. And, you know, Mita, she went down a few kilograms to a lower weight class to her credit as well. So it's not like it was completely unique that the Angolans were doing it. But the fact that we had two athletes and they had 65, you could see it was a lot more visible the day of weigh-ins, watching the Angolans trying to sweat off those last couple uh, ounces to make the, make the lower weight class. So, so it, I mean, it really is um multifaceted it's their uh competition experience their their seasons in competition their incentive was out of this world uh, i can't imagine how many folks we would have had down there if they were going to get paid nine thousand dollars for a gold medal and, and then um just their commitment to physically dropping weight i mean that's a really hard thing to do and then to go out there and compete and uh hats off to them they they set the bar we know where the bar is and uh, we're going to be aiming for it for the near future what as far as um coaching advice what sort of advice when you got on site what was the the you know the competitors their their demeanor and and their spirit i'm, I'm speaking about mimita and, and yared what was their mood like when they arrived there and they saw what they were dealing with were they were they optimistic were they were they nervous and what sort of advice did you give them during the tournament, you know, during their matches and so on, if, if you can recall some of that. So I, I didn't see nerves. I think that's a great question. I hope you get the chance to ask them that question as well, to see what was going through their heads. Um, I mean, Mita always seems relaxed. She was ready to fight. She did the, the fighting discipline before her jujitsu and She's just, it, it seemed like she just was unfazed by anything. She was ready to get in the ring. She was really pissed when she was disqualified. She was really pissed. And uh, she didn't even go there for the fighting. Um, but you could see the, uh, the hunger inside of her. She was really competitive and she wanted to keep fighting. So uh, that, that was really interesting. Um, she typically has her way at Cal BJJ with folks. So uh, having something not go her way, she, she was, she wanted more of it. She didn't want to be the fight to be over. So that was really fun to see. Um, so I was just talking her back down to be like, Hey, we're not even here. You're not even here for the fighting. You're here for the jujitsu. So, you know, don't worry about that. You, you have another chance. You have another go at it. And, um, but 
it, it was kind of fun to see somebody get so uh, pissed off at a, at a loss. <laughs> um, so from a, from a coaching perspective, uh, Yarrett, he's been there before. He was the reigning African champion. So he wasn't seeing anything for the first time. This wasn't new to him and he didn't seem nervous. Um, but he understands pressure and he understands that this is a high pressure, high stakes type of tournament. And you, you could see uh, some seriousness in his demeanor. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't call it nerves. I would call it that, that, uh, nervous energy that's motivating or incentivizing to athletes before a match or like a focusing nervousness as opposed to a, um, a kind of a fish out of water nervousness where you're not sure what to do or what to expect. Like he, he looked like he'd been there before he knew what to expect. And he, he was using, uh, some nervous energy to focus on his, on his matches, that that's my outside perspective. I mean, I'm not going to ask somebody that question before their match. Like, where's your head at? How do you feel? Right, right, right. Because like, right. uh, if I don't if I don't get the answer I like, I'm not sure what I'm going to say. But right. they, they seemed they seemed prepared for the moment. Um, Yarrett ran into and it, both of Yarrett's opponents pulled guard pulled a closed guard on him, mm. and like they, Yarrett, they actually jumped they jumped. And, and with it closed and they just brought him down. Um, yeah. So the one guy, it was more, um, I, I wouldn't call it jumping guard. They, they more pulled him into a closed guard. Okay. But uh, so Yared's a very dynamic athlete. He's super fast. He, his, his transitions are so quick and the, both of his matches, both Angolans, by the way, both of his matches, he had his speed and quickness neutralized by the closed guard. Mm-hmm. And he was still able to score points against people who, uh, who ranked higher than he was, he was ranked, but the, the closed guard, um, it, it was, they don't, they didn't, I, I can't imagine they, they looked up Yard's game specifically, perhaps they did, but both of their matches were, perfectly designed to take away the most dynamic aspect of Yared's game, which is his quickness. Um, he's technically sound, of course, he's got good balance, but to just take away his quickness off right off the bat, that was um, a genius game plan, if not by accident, uh, that they had against him. Mm. So uh, since needless to say, since then, um, we have been doubling down on, um, Yared being stuck in the closed guard. Like he's starting every match at Cal. He's starting inside the closed guard. We worked on a, a couple different creative ways to open closed guard and to try to gain that edge back. Uh, his the X factor being his speed. So that's something that we saw uh, something in his game that they were able to exploit and. W- you know, that's, that's what they say about jujitsu. You win or you learn. So we're, we're working on Yared's guard opening. And then um, the f- flip side of that is also um, like guard pull defense. We had worked some of some guard pull defense leading up to this, but Yared being a, a judo guy, um, he was really hoping to be able to put his judo on display, but um we did work some guard pull defense pre- previously, but 
like I said, the Angolans, their competition approach is so sharp. They walked out, they knew exactly what grip they wanted to start the match. And when they got that grip, they were very quick and efficient at uh, pulling Yared into a closed card. So that's something that we'll be working ahead of the world championship, which is October, November in Dubai. And we'll keep working that from now until then. For you as a coach there, this is the first time you're coaching the team outside of the country at their first, like uh, at their first ever tournament in a couple of years. What was the experience for for you personally? Well, what did it mean to be there and, and to witness uh, to, to witness this tournament? So it was a very large stadium, which is one of the first things that um, was very notable. You pull up to the stadium, they had these bright lights flashing across the stadium. I mean, it was an arena-sized stadium. And when we walked in the first night, they were just setting up the, just the two mats, the two two rings in the middle of this giant stadium and all the athletes were piling in. And um, I think I was the only American there. They had some uh, Greek organizers, um, Mauritius folks, um, a, a few other folks from out of town, but I walked around the arena the the officials introducing myself and everybody <laughs> kind of got a common refrain is like yeah 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 we know who you are you're the American <laughs> I was like okay all right <laughs> that's fine um, but but really besides getting the guys registered um, helping with weigh-ins making sure that they were there on time and everything like that um, the coach is an afterthought everything's all about the athletes there. Everything's prepared for the athletes and the coach is kind of just an extra person that's there. And that's good. That's the way it should be. It should be about the athletes. And, and I felt very much so that it was. And e- even the folks that were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we know who you are. I mean, they were super nice and helpful. And by the end, we're all taking pictures together and everything. Um, so it was a really cool event in that way. And then, like I said, just seeing. Uh, like for, for me, I hadn't been to a tournament as a coach in that capacity before. So just taking notes myself in terms of what, what people are doing to build jujitsu, what people have done, uh, what the organizers are doing, what the referees are doing, uh, just trying to take perspective on how the sport can be grown or should be grown to be able to bring that back to Ethiopia. Because I, like I said, I was always a jujitsu athlete competitor and I'm in a slightly different role now. I mean, you, you can't come up through jujitsu without getting some coaching experience. Um, but it, it's a different type of coach that I am now in, in Ethiopia than when I was back in the States. So I was just trying to learn as much as I could about what, other folks are doing in their environments to grow the sport that I can take back to Ethiopia. And uh, like the biggest thing was uh, like Flavio, he's one of the coaches in Angola, just picking his brain. He was the first organizer of a tournament in Angola. 
he drove us to uh, a couple of our COVID tests. So I got some one-on-one time with him and just picked his brain about how he did it back then, what the environment was like back then. And, and yeah, he's, he's very professional type guy and he was more than willing to share with me his experience. So for me, it was okay. The athletes were here. We know what they need to take care of. I'm here to help them take care of what they need to take care of. But then there's something bigger than this individual tournament that we need to be able to bring back to Ethiopia with us. There's something that we can bring a piece of the experience back for the rest of the team, because we have 30, 40, 50 people training at Cal BJJ who don't have any idea what this tournament experience is like. They've never competed. And we need to be able to recreate something like this for them because tournaments uh, are really help push the sport to the next level. Not everybody's going to compete, but even people who don't compete, they, they either attend tournaments or they help referee or they help uh, help with the score table or they help. There's a, there's a peak component to learning that everybody has an opportunity to learn, not just the competitors. And I, I had a buddy when I was coming up in jujitsu, he, um, he started refereeing and he would go, go away for a weekend and referee something like 8,000 matches or something ridiculous in a weekend wow. and come back and just watching that much jujitsu. Um, it didn't take very long where he was bringing back stuff to our gym that we had never seen before. And he's shown us things that he saw or that somebody did to him when all the referees got together and rolled or anything. And I remember that being a, uh, a pivotal moment in the development of the program I was in was just my buddy bringing back new jujitsu for being a referee. So there's, there's something that my point being, it's something that everybody can bring back from a tournament uh, tournament style. And it doesn't need to be that you're, you're a competitor. It can still help grow the sport in the country. So uh, for, for my, that's a long-winded answer, but from my perspective that I was trying to get some of those intangibles that I had seen before. And then I was witnessing that weekend and bring that back to, to Ethiopia and not just the, um, the medal count, so to speak. Right. And, and when you guys went back to Ethiopia, you jumped right into organizing an in-house uh, tournament, as you, you kind of alluded to earlier on in, in, in the interview. Tell us about the, the in-house tournament uh, and, and how it went and the overall experience between uh, both teams. I think I may be frozen. I don't know if you can hear me. Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. I, I'm still frozen. But yeah, please, please continue. Oh, yeah, there I am. So, so the last night... In Angola, Yared and I, uh, we got a couple Kuka loggers and we were just kind of gathering our collective thoughts about the weekend. And both of us, it, it, it didn't take very long for us to get to the conclusion that we needed to get the guys more competition experience. And, um, you know, in the African championships, everything's red and blue. Like there's a red corner, a blue corner type of thing. So we said, okay, well, we only have one team, so we're going to have to go red, blue. And we, we took two of our top guys, uh, not yet, Yared not included. And we took two of our top guys and we held a draft 
And we said, okay, here's everybody who wants to compete. Uh, let's go ahead and, and pick teams. So we, we just picked red and blue. And then um, had to do some finagling. I had to reach outside of our, our community at Cal BJJ. I found a, um, a guy, a good bit bigger than Yared, but who had a high school wrestling background, maybe six years of, of Greco-Roman wrestling. Oh, wow. And he agreed to compete against Yared and Nogi. And um, uh, one of our team members, Blake, he, he trains a little bit at a gym outside of town. And they had a couple guys who did some, we'll call it MMA. I'm not sure. I don't know these two guys that well, but they do some more well-rounded martial arts type of training, weightlifting, et cetera, cardio. And they wanted to, they heard that we were competing and they wanted to jump in and compete. So we, we scheduled a couple of no-gi rounds for them. And we rented space in our sports club for the, for the Sunday morning. I was the referee. Uh, we had a couple, we had a score table, a couple guys running the score table. We had one of our students is a, a physician. So she worked as the, um, emergency medical personnel and which we didn't need, which is great. But, uh, we put on a real live intramural tournament and it went very well, uh, in terms of, um, organizationally, there weren't really any hiccups other than some of the roads being closed down for an impromptu event at Mescal square that, uh, wasn't publicized, but everybody got there and we had 13 matches and, uh, blue team defeated red team pretty handily. Uh, Yarrett won his match against the Greco-Roman wrestler via triangle choke, which, which was nice to see because he came over my house a couple times leading up to it. And we trained specifically how to beat a Greco-Roman wrestler and triangle choke was one of those things that we'd worked on. So the, the concept proved to, uh, to work out, which was good. Did a quick, and, quick question, quick question regarding sure. the, his opponent. Did did his opponent have any nogi sort of submission wrestling experience, or was he strictly Greco? So his opponent's previous submission wrestling experience was probably ten to twelve sessions with me in okay. a small group setting okay. with no real live rolling. Okay. Uh, he was an American guy and um, I had done some classes with some folks in, uh, in the American uh, expat community uh, last year, but it was more, um, more technique and drill based and without any live rolling. So he was familiar with, he was absolutely familiar with uh, uh, basic submissions and defense, and he knew what was happening to him when it was happening to him, and he got caught in the triangle. So he wasn't—he was not a um, complete fish out of water, but he and was I think not he was as well. Bigger, right? I, I saw a picture. He looked yeah. much bigger, and 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 maybe like what 15, 20 pounds heavier. Am I? Am yeah, I, yeah. He, no, exactly. He—I think he was probably. Um, 20 to 25 pounds heavier okay. than Yared, actually. Wow. Uh, so I considered it a, um, a fair match based on his wrestling 
um, his balance, his strength, his size, uh, and then Yared having a, a submission grappling uh, technique edge, of course. Um, I was very happy how it worked out <laughs> that, that Yared was able to, to submit him. Yeah, but, triangle, uh, which is awesome, right? Which is uh, yeah, and, that, and that's exactly exactly how we we drew it up. It's like okay, you got a wrestler, you're not going to put this guy on his back. Don't even try. But they do stick their neck out there a little bit, so triangle should be should be an opening for you. Yara did great. You you saw the match. Um, you 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 probably noticed in the video too how uh, excited all the team got, like jumping in and. I mean, there was as a referee, there was barely room for me to get in there and to call the uh, to call the match. It's like, okay, guys, get off the mat, <laughs> like let, let the match let the match play out. But uh, everybody was super excited for it, and even just like the first match, you had like the guy who won the first match in Ethiopian BJJ history. Everybody was really happy and excited. And then the second match, we got the first submission. It was a uh, a calf crusher from reverse half guard, which is uh, crazy to see. It's kind of a higher level submission. And uh, I don't even, I don't even think I taught that guy that submission before. I don't know how he knows it. (laughs) I asked him, I was like, did I teach you that? And he's like, he's like, no, where did you learn that? And uh, we, we, he'd been over my place the previous week and we did some reverse half guard stuff and I was like, did I forget teaching you that? And I don't know where he got it from, but super slick um, calf crusher. So that was the first submission of the uh, of the day. But it was a great mix of matches. And um, one of the folks from Black Lion BJJ in Sudan, they saw that we were advertising the tournament, and he said, "Okay, I want, I want in." How do we how do we set up something like this again? And well, um, one of our former uh, members, uh, Kwesi, he moved to Kenya and he's training in Kenya. So we're, we're hoping to have a like an East Africa friendly tournament at some point later this year, maybe September, where we invite Kenya, Sudan, maybe Tanzania. Um, if they're able to come to Ethiopia, we'll, we'll put on a, a friendly tournament with, with those countries. And if we can't get them all together, then we'll invite who we can. And then we'll try to schedule a, a trip where we get a couple of our members to go and compete against whoever couldn't come. Um, because we, we do need to get more competition experience in, in, for, for the folks that want it, because that's what it's going to push the level of jujitsu up in, in Ethiopia, really like competing, it, it, competing isn't just five minutes on the mat. It's the months you spend preparing for it. And then I, I know you and I discussed this on our last call, but it's the months you spend preparing for that five minutes. And then it's the eternity that you spend dwelling on whatever happened in that five minutes where if you got triangle choked, you might never get triangle choked again because you're going to spend so much time thinking about it and training the defense and making sure that you're not stuck in that position again. So we do want to create more opportunities like that. And if uh, if we can't organize anything with the Sudanese and the Kenyans and uh, folks from Tanzania within the next couple of months, we might have another in-house just to get our guys more experience in the next couple of months. We have a uh, couple of guys that trained down in Hawassa that 
weren't able to make it up for the in-house. So we want to set some matches up for them as well. So we're going to keep pushing the envelope in terms of competition. As long as people want it, uh, I mean, we need to feed it to them. That only makes sense. And it's exciting to, to see that, uh, that there's an interest in, in competition, right? Because that's how you develop as, as a grappler. I mean, not, you mentioned that not everyone needs to compete. I, 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 I hear that. But I think the real learning and development and growth, as you mentioned, also happens with more competition, especially uh, for for lower level competitors. Quick follow up questions, and 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 then we we, we can wrap it up. I appreciate your time, uh, Colin. What um, when you talk about the 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 East African uh, tournament, um, are you going to be? Um, are, are you guys going to be expanding more? You mentioned Awasa, like there, there's 50 competitors at, at the Cow Dojo. I'm sure that there's there's interest uh, possibly beyond that. So are, are there talks to uh, possibly consider expanding the, the, the base of competitors? And uh, you, you mentioned another in-house tournament. Would this be a monthly series or would that be two months or would it be every two months? So I think monthly would probably be too much just in terms of uh, we have a small pool of competitors and um, there for us to put on a, an official tournament, there is an additional cost for us to rent the, the room and then the organizational time. Whereas if, if we only had, a handful of matches each month, we could handle those as part of our regular classes, which is another option that we have is having a, maybe like each Wednesday night or, or Friday night or whatever, having a super match before we, we start live rolling where everybody's, um, everybody's there, they're watching. So you get a little bit of that tournament pressure where like all eyes on me type of thing. And then you have a, the scorecard set up. So you're keeping track of points and you have like one guy that you're preparing for for a week or so maybe to come up with a strategy for your a game plan for your match so we can do some one-off things like that on a weekly basis and i think we'll continue to do that in terms of expanding our competitor base uh i don't know how to find more people i mean we have instagram telegram facebook uh whatsapp groups and um like as as you're aware, I'm not super well versed in anything in Ethiopia. So how to grow organically in Ethiopia is outside of my uh, my bailiwick. And a lot of the members of the team, they're a lot more plugged in in terms of with social groups or um, like local media and things like that. And they do some, some promotions and they all come to me and like, Hey, there's so many more people that would want to do jujitsu. They just don't know about it. Like, okay. How do, how do we find them? How do we put ourselves out there? And we've, we've grown and we, we continue to grow, but we grow at an organic pace, which is probably for the best. I mean, if too many people showed up at once, um, it might be hard to deal with an influx of that many people. So, so maybe that's like what we're doing is the answer. It just needs to be a slow, continued organic growth for a year or two. And then 
Um, we have so many folks that maybe we need to have, we have to have a second location. We do have a couple guys who, that train in Hawassa. Uh, we have blue belt named Minalik who, who he's great and he's very dedicated. He's looking for a, a dedicated space down there to open a, a formal, a, a formal academy, but he does have some mats and a training space and he, he trains, uh, regularly down there there's some guys i mentioned that train uh more of a mixed martial arts type of style uh further outside of the city uh, i would love to find some traditional wrestlers to link up and cross train with um but if there are more competitors out there yeah we want them um but for now i think we're we're looking at most two, two or three steps down the line in terms of how we develop competition experience. And I think the first step from here is a second in-house tournament. And again, I think it's really important that our organizers have an idea of how to organize an event before we invite guests to come compete with us. So we have one tournament under our belt. It went, it went very well having another one under our belt and then, uh, inviting, like I said, some of the some of our neighboring countries to come compete with us. I think that's a great next step. But we also have the World Championship, the JJIF World Championship in Dubai right. in October, November, and we don't want to lose sight of that. Right. And in that championship, I think we have to anticipate that there's going to be very high level belts in each division, and that's going to be a challenge for us. And we have to look at what the economic, we, we want to go, we plan to go, we plan to send competitors, but the economics of it are also going to be tough for a lot of folks. Whereas if they can get some local competition experience, they might, that might be more worthwhile for some of our competitors than going to Dubai for other of our competitors. We want to continue to push them and have them go up against the best of the best so they can see what the standard is and, and continue to aim for that standard. So in terms of looking two to three steps out, I don't think we're past the, the world championship yet. And hopefully before that world championship, we've got another intramural event. We have a friendly competition with some neighboring countries. And then it would be Dubai would be step three. And, and that's where we're looking now. Um, perhaps we, uh, at that point in time, we regroup and come up with a, okay, what, what do we want to accomplish over the next six to 12 months? Maybe before that, even we come up with a, a, a next six to 12 month plan. But um, we, we also want to have a, a trip down to Hawassa with a few of our members to compete against our smaller contingency down there to get them some competition experience. And also uh, for whoever comes with us down there, it, it's, it's a different competitor to face up against it's a different style there's an unknown component to it when you don't know who what they're going to do if they're guard pullers if they're going to try to take me down maybe they compete against each other all the time they know the it's going to start with an ankle pick or it's going to start with a knee pick or whatever the case may be but uh we want to go down to Hawassa with a couple of our com competitors as well and and just to, just to mix it up and get both sides some more competition experience. But yeah, uh, anything we can do to find more competitors, 
would be great. And we do appreciate, I did want to say to you, we do appreciate you, you doing what you're doing to promote us. Uh, somebody actually reached out to me on Instagram two weeks ago and asked about details um, for jujitsu and Addis and asked about Cal. And I responded very um, matter of fact, here's when we train, we'd love you to come in. And they just said to me, is this Colin? And I kind of was like, um, yeah, yeah, it is. Have we, have we rolled before? Like what's going on? He's like, no, I just listened to a podcast that I think you, that you were featured in. So I was wondering if it was you. So, so you found That's us awesome. at least, at least one other, uh, uh husband and, uh, two kids, uh, husband, wife, and kid, I think it was. So you found us at least three, uh, three students through your podcast in the past couple of weeks. So, that's awesome. So we do appreciate that. Hey man, keep keep doing the great work. What one last question for you? Obviously, we look forward to to following the story as you guys proceed to to the worlds. So hoping to to interview you and as well as 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 the team. I'm I'm going to try to reach out to them and and find a way to to interview them. I think I believe you guys had some some belt promotions. Is is that correct? Can you tell us? Can you give us a, a summary of that. Yeah. So that was um uh something that was a little bit of a surprise that we did at the in-house tournament. So we had our first 11 matches and then uh, right before the, uh, the last two matches were the two coaches of the teams and then Yared against his, uh, his the super fight we set up. Uh, we had just on the schedule, just a special announcement and uh, two of our members that have been training uh, long before I showed up last year, uh, Simone and Jonathan, and uh, they I, 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 shame on me. I don't even know when they started with Cal because they, they predated me. Uh, yeah. Great question for Yarrett in terms of if you, if you want some of their like stories about their, the beginnings uh, of those two. Um, so the, I know that they have trained elsewhere. Uh, I'm not sure if they started at Cal, but Yarrett's told me a couple stories about uh, the, uh, the, the, the thirst for violence that at least one of those two had in terms wow. of uh, we learning jujitsu, it, it started with a uh, uh, showing up to fight type of mentality. And then just the growth in terms of um, becoming more relaxed and focused on technique. And uh, like to the point where even as a white belt, he was we were looking at Jonathan as uh, he, he's coaching more than he's training a lot of times at practice and, and he's doing a great job coaching. So we don't want to stop him, but um, we, we it was a good moment and we had a chance to, to plus them up and it was probably overdue for both of them. But um, there was some travel schedule with both of them in there. And then also they weren't pushing it. They weren't uh, saying like, I want my blue belt. You got to get me a blue belt coach, which, um, you know, it can be dicey. Like sometimes that might be it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's well-deserved. You're right. Type of thing. But on, on the other hand, um, like we're waiting for the right moment or you need to work on this or that. Or So they weren't pushing it. And, uh, like I said, there was some travel issues, um, with both of them, um, not being in town for a little bit here or there. So with the tournament, they were both going to be in town. They'd both done everything that uh, Yared and I had asked them to do in terms of um, like 
work on this move or that move, or we gave them a reps plan to work on. So they've done everything that we asked. And so it, the timing just worked out perfect. And uh, it, it kind of just made the, the in-house tournament that much more special to have a, a very quick, we, we didn't want to hold people up. We didn't want to stop the, the flow of the tournament. So it was, it was a quick ceremony, quick promotion. And I think that they probably both appreciated it that way. Um, but they both got their blue belts and it's, it's good because you can't, you can't have a school where somebody walks in on the first day, gets their ass beat by a white belt and looks around and thinks that's a white belt. I, that guy just absolutely smoked me. And that's a white belt. Like maybe the sport's not for me. So it's, it's important that when people reach that next level that you do recognize them and plus them up and so that everybody can look around and recognize uh, that there's a, there's a difference in skill level. And these two had reached that level where we couldn't have new guys come in and let's see these two as white belts anymore. Well, it wasn't going to be good for anybody. And um, that's a testament to their own skill and development. I, I don't say that as a, uh, uh, to overstate the importance of a third party looking in, but it's a, it's a recognition of, of what they had accomplished. Right on, man. Well, it's, it's great to, to, to hear that people are getting promoted and, and the scene is, is being developed as far as Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. It's, it's, it's exciting, you know, and, and keep up the, the great work again, as I mentioned, I, I want to follow up with, with you guys as, as you're leading up to, to, to the world, which is, uh, which is very exciting. So thank you very much for your time and uh, have a good evening. Thank you, Gomarmi. We got work to do, so keep pumping us. Definitely. <laughs> Take care, man. Cheers. All right. Take care. Bye. Peace.